So I knew that if I didn't play, I was going to get cut. So what I did is there's something called a, a tortoise shot. What a tortoise shot is, is it's a, it's a pain, it's a painkiller. Um, it's a, it's a, so I was feeling pretty good before the game and I, you know, I'm warming up and, and going through my warm-up process. And I'm like, all right, bro, you should be able to play, right? Spend a, just spend a, a day in the hospital a few days ago. You should be okay, right? And um, first play of the game, I remember, uh, I think the running back was Chester Taylor at the time. Gets the ball, runs down. I come right up because I started. So I started at safety. And so that guy runs down, and I, I try to tackle him, and he puts his helmet in my chest. And I feel everything. Like that, that pain, the tortoise shot did not work. I felt everything. And so that was probably the biggest moment in, in my career, really kind of getting into the NFL because I had to mentally push through that game because I knew that if I came out, I probably would end up getting cut. Hey guys, welcome back to the Venture Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us, we have Brett Lockett. He's a former NFL football player, now turned businessman. What's up, Brett? Jacob, what's going on? Good morning, my man. Nothing much, my man. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. It's always a, a pleasure to connect with the, uh, a guy like you. Thank you, man. So to start things off, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about your backstory and then lead up to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So... My, I would say, just kind of not claim the fame, but just where I, where most people know me from is, is playing in the NFL. And um, I can give you the short overview or I can give you the long overview. Which one do you prefer? The long overview. Go in, de- in, de- in detail, man. Gotcha. All right. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm a native from uh, uh, California. Grew up in, in Diamond Bar, which is about 45 minutes outside of L.A. And um, ended up getting a scholarship to UCLA. Um, came out and, um, you know, just had a ton of accolades, uh, from, you know, pretty much every school in the country. Um, but ended up deciding to go to UCLA and, um, played four years at UCLA, majored in poli sci. Um, and, uh, by my last year, um, I had, I started really three years played, um, started, well, I started my senior year, didn't play, uh, until really my last year, but played on special teams. Um, and my last year had a pretty decent, decent year. Um, had a little over 60 something tackles and um, got some national recognize, recognition from uh, the NFL. And so um, I decided that, you know, I thought it would be the best opportunity for me to try to get into the NFL. And so, you know, I had an agent um, who's a family friend at the time and he said, hey, Brett, uh, I think you have the ability to get drafted in the sixth or seventh round. So um, ended up uh, finishing my last game at UCLA. Uh, we played USC. Um, that's a huge rivalry. I'm not sure if you know how, how, how serious that is. But, um, you know, when you play against USC and you're, you're Bruin, uh, you know, that's the game of the year. That's what you wait for. That's what you live for. And so uh, my last game I played USC and um, – Ended up coming down, tackling, uh, I don't know if you remember a running back by the name of Stefan um, uh, Washington, but ended up tackling him and broke uh, my right arm, or my left arm, excuse me, my radius. And so that was in the second quarter um, and ended up 
uh, not being able to finish the game. I, I, I told them, hey, you know, try to put me back in. They were like, hey, you're done. So long story short, I was a little upset about that. But um, two weeks later, I had surgery. I had a plate with six screws put into my arm and then um, flew out to Tennessee. And so um, that's usually where um, or that's where my agent decided to send me. So I went to a, uh, a training complex called D1, which stands for Division One, but it was a, a training complex that kind of housed uh, pro, uh, college guys that are looking to go to the to the NFL. And so um, went out there in, in in January and ended up <clears throat> and ended up training there for two months and couldn't do anything but uh, but lift with my right arm, but perfect. But I but my left arm that was broken was in a perfect kind of uh, uh, L shape. So I was able to run. Right, it's probably the only thing I could do. Um, and so I just focused on what I can control and, um, what, um, you know, really my attitude, because those are really the only two things you can, you can really deal with in life or, or control in life, right. Is, is how hard you work and, and the attitude which you do that at. So, um, was there for two months, ended up coming back to, out to LA and, um, ended up going through something called the pro day, which is, uh, kind of a, uh, so there's the NFL Combine, which most people know that's the popular thing. They invite the top 300 players in the country that play college football to showcase their talents uh, to you know NFL scouts. For those of the the for those that don't get invited to pro day, there's something called uh, or that don't get invited to combine. There's something called the pro day, which is where NFL scouts come out to your college or university and they you know do the, they run you through the same exact drills pretty much but it's 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 a, a, on a much smaller scale it's one day the combine is one week so um i prepared for that i went out and um i put up some good numbers you know i bench pressed 225 19 times even though i had my cast taken off two weeks beforehand um i had um i ran a 40 yard dash at, uh, at a time of uh, four 4.45 seconds which was probably the second fastest uh, time in my class and, um, you know, I, I, it was a positive turnout. And so um, after that, I, you know, they had the NFL draft. And so um, my agent at the time said, hey, you know, you did, you had a great turnout. I think you're, you know, I think you're going to get drafted. And so uh, we had this draft party at my parents' house um, and had friends, family come over. And uh, first, first day is all first, first and second round. So, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. And then the second day, is everybody else. And so um, I'm sitting there the second day and fourth round goes by, fifth round goes by, sixth round goes by. And, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I think, I think I'm hoping for the seventh round and um, seventh round goes by and no call. Right. And so I was a little upset. Um, and I go outside to kind of just, you know, clear my head and um, my agent calls me and his name's Bardia. And he's like, Hey, Brett, the, uh, the Packers called you and uh, we're going to send you to a, a tryout with the Packers. And so what happens is the draft consists of seven rounds. Um, each team gets seven picks. And after that, what happens is the NFL scouts and coaches start calling free agents and they'll sometimes sign free agents and then other free agents, they'll ask to come on a tryout. Right. And they'll say, Hey, we, we think you may have some ability, come try out. We'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what you can do. So that's what happened. My, my agent called me and said, the Packers called you. Um, they want to, they want to invite you in for a tryout. So his name's Barty. I said, Hey, Barty, send me wherever I, I you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. 
Like I, I got this thing. I, I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. And um, he uh, he calls me back ten minutes later and says, "Hey, the Packers drafted a safety, and uh, and the Browns also want to bring you in. So we're going to send you to the Browns instead." And the reason being is that when an NFL team drafts a player, they've already committed uh, some dollars to that to that player, and so um, typically they want that guy to play. And so as a free agent, you have, you have a much harder chance of making it on a team where they've already drafted or signed somebody uh, in your position, right? Because they've already committed cash to them. So he says, Hey, we were going to send you to the, uh, to the, uh, the Browns instead. And I said, okay, cool. Send me wherever. So um, literally a week later, I'm on a plane to, to Cleveland, um, you know, get off the plane. Uh, they, they pick us up in a, in a car. It's about, you know, me and seven other guys, they pick us up in a van and, drop us off at the hotel and, um, you know, we throw our stuff in a room, check in, come right back down and then go to the, uh, the practice facility in, in Brio, uh, Brio, Ohio, Ohio, excuse me, about 20 minutes outside of Cleveland. Um, knew nothing about Cleveland, knew nothing about uh, where I was going. I just, you know, showed up and go straight into the locker room. They give us, you know, cleats, uh, practice jerseys, helmets, get fitted for the helmet. We have, we have dinner, then we go to, uh, to a meeting room where we, we meet with the uh, defensive coordinator. And at that time, it was, uh, it was Rob Ryan. I don't know if you remember Rob and Rex Ryan, who was the coach for the uh, New York Jets. Their uh, father, Bear Bryan, was probably one of the most de- famous defensive coordinators. But anyways, I go into this meeting, and they give me a playbook about, like, this thing, right? And uh, they say, hey, we're going to be covering all of these plays tomorrow, probably about 60% of the playbook. Um, so you guys, you know, be ready to go tomorrow, right? And so. I go to my room and, uh, and I stay up till about two o'clock studying that playbook until I knew not just my position, but every other person's position on the field and what they did. And so the following morning, we go into meetings again before we go out to practice. And Rob Ryan is there and he says, hey, who can come up here and draw Falcon on the board, which is an all out blitz against uh, empty. And if you know anything about football, empty is no backs in the backfield, all the wide receivers. And the defense and the uh, running backs are, are on the line. So you got five wide receivers and, and running backs on the line, and then the quarterback is in the backfield by itself. And so I draw up, I go, I raise my hand and I, I go up on the board and I draw up. You know, he did first of all, he doesn't even know my name, which is which is kind of funny that now that I think about it. He was like, he didn't say, Hey, Lockett, come up. He said, Hey, UCLA, come on up, right? And so I go up and I draw, you know, Falcon on the board and I draw my position and then I draw everybody else's position and I draw exactly what they're doing. And he goes, not bad, Lockett. Or he says, not bad, UCLA, excuse me. And, um, and so I go sit back down and, you know, we finish the meeting. I go out to get dressed for practice, run out there at practice. And, um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, when, when I went to the NFL or when I went to, um, when I got that opportunity, I knew how good I was. Um, I was, I, I kind of went in with a chip on my shoulder because I was upset about, um, I was upset about guys being picked ahead of me that I knew I was better than. Right. And I'm not sure if you've ever related to something like that in your life or, um, you know, your listeners have, have related to that, but you know, when you know how good of a, of a, of a person you are or, or how talented you are in a particular, um, you know, at a thing, right. Whatever it may be, whether it be, you know, academics or, or sports, you, you tend to, you know, walk with a chip on your shoulder. And so that was kind of how I was. And, you know, I, I didn't really care who was drafted. I didn't care who was 
um, signed as a free agent. I, when I walked out there, I said the playing field is even. And so, you know, we went out there in drills and I'm the kind of guy I line up right in front, right? I don't care who you are. So I line up right in front and I'm just flying around on, you know, in these drills. And I'm the kind of guy that only knows one speed. There's no like 95%. There's no, you know, half, half 50%. It's, it's hundred percent when I step on that field. And so I'm on that field. I'm flying around. Um, I'm, you know, we, we go into team, team drills where we're against the offense and I'm telling the linebackers what to do and telling the linebackers to tell the, the DN to line up in a certain position. Right. And so we come out of practice and these guys, the, the coaches are like, all right, this guy's, this, this guy's big. He's six, he's six two, 210 pounds. He's fast. He's smart. He went to UCLA. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's out there coaching our guys. And so that was kind of the first test. And so we, we go through about three practices in two days. Right. And on the last day, we, we find out that we have a conditioning test and as if like that, and which is almost, you know, backwards to me, because by the time you go through three practices, I'm not sure why we need to do a conditioning test. You pretty much know who's in shape and who wasn't. Right. But anyways, I think it was more of a mental thing. And so, we had to do as, as a defensive back, which was what I played, um, we had to do 20 60 yard sprints. And so um, what we did is it was 60 yards, you would run 60 yards, you'd have to make it in seven seconds, you get a 30 second break, you turn around, you run 60 yards, again, you do 10 of those, you get two minutes off, and then you do another another 10, right, with 30 seconds in between. And so I made a, I, I really just made a, a declaration to myself. And I said that, you know, I'm not going to let one person on this field beat me in this 20. Right. And it wasn't, it had nothing to do with, you know, speed. It had nothing to do with um, really endurance or shape because everybody was, was in shape. If you made it through those three days, everybody was in shape, but really what it came down to was, was your mental understanding of how bad you wanted something. Right. And I said to myself that I will die on this football field before I let anybody beat me in one of these twenties. And to make it even a bigger point, I made sure I'd beat every single person on that field by five yards. And so what I would do is I would run, I'd take off, and I'd make sure I was well ahead of everybody else. As soon as I passed the finish line, I'd turn right around, I'd get set, and then I'd go again. And so I did that, you know, 20 times. Nobody beat me. And usually after the end of a, uh, a rookie trial, which was what that was, it's called rookie camp. And that's where every NFL team has. And at the end of the rookie camp, the head coach who was Eric Mangini at the time said, Hey Brett, uh, or he said, Hey guys, I want to, um, I want to thank you guys for, for coming. Right. And usually what happens is coaches invite you up to the, to the, uh, the coach's office or the general manager's office, if they want to sign you or if they, they may say, hey, you know, you, you, we thought you, you did really well. Um, we'll keep you on our radar, um, stay in shape or whatever that, that is, right? Um, and usually that's the process. But what Eric Mangini said was, you know, I want to thank everybody for um, coming out and, and giving your all. I know these last few days have, have not been easy, uh, but you guys came in, you, you worked hard, um, and, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that we're going to be signing Brett Lockett. And I was just like, what? Like my, my mouth kind of dropped, right? And um, everybody just kind of started clapping. And, um, and I was kind of, uh, I, I, the, the words, I don't have the words to explain the feelings that went through my head at the time. And um, I, all I can say, it was probably the, the, one of the fondest and, and, and greatest moments of my life. Um, 
So got signed by the Cleveland Browns, go back, go back to, uh, went back to California after that was in, uh, in LA for about, um, call it three months. So that was April. So April, uh, and then May and June, right? So UCLA is on the quarter system and NCAA rules do not allow someone who has not graduated from college to go to the NFL until the end of the school year, right? To the end of that quarter. And so right after that, we go into OTAs, which is organized team activity. And that's where it's pretty much practice with no helmets. And it's about mm, college uh, 10 to 12 weeks. So I came back in April and I couldn't leave. So I was there April, May, and then we got done June 19th. So I literally fly out June 19th um, to back to Cleveland. And so what's, what's crazy is that thank God for technology, they were uploading the plays and the practices to huddle, which is, uh, essentially the, which was essentially the kind of the, the, the backend system that houses all the, the plays for, for, uh, teams. And so huddles like Wiley used now for every sport. Right. But, at that time, Huddle allowed me to go through uh, practices when I wasn't there. And so every day I'd wake up, my best friend, who's now the defensive back coach at USC, we would go out to the field at six o'clock in the morning, train, um, then go to 24-hour fitness lift. Um, and I did that, you know, five days a week. And then I'd come back and, you know, I would ice up at my house and um, I'd watch I'd watch the practices. And, um, you know, the last, so I, literally the last day of OTAs was when I got to Cleveland, right? And so for most people that aren't there, they don't know what's going on, right? They haven't, I don't think most people would be able to jump into that kind of situation and, and succeed. Um, but before we go out to practice and sitting in meetings, right? And um, and, and Rob Ryan uh, says, hey, I wanna welcome uh, Brett Lockett. He just got in today. And um, everybody kind of said, you know, claps and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I raised my hand and uh, he says, hey, Brett, stand up for a second. And um, I stand up, right? And he goes, "Hey, what's what's this on the uh, like? What's this on the board?" Um, and I and he, like he's pointing at the word defense, right? And I was like, "Defense." And he's like, "No, no, 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 this right here." And he's pointing at like the D, and I'm like, "D," and then he goes, "These nuts," right? And everybody starts dying, right? And um, that was kind of my welcome to Cleveland, right? It was, um, it, it was funny at the same time. It was embarrassing, right? But anyway, so I go out to practice and same kind of thing. I'm out there flying around, but they're throwing me in and they're, they're running the plays. And I know every single play that they're, that they're doing because I've been watching it from, uh, you know, from, from home on huddle. And so they were, they were very impressed from that. Um, now we go into preseason, right? Preseason game one. We play um, – the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'm sorry. We play the um, the uh, Green Bay Packers, right, at Green Bay. And so I get in probably third quarter, and literally, it's it's the, the biggest difference from college football to, to from high school to college to the NFL is the speed, right? That's if you talk to anybody, it's always the speed. And so when I got out there, I was moving, you know, it was moving a million miles a minute. And so all I remember is just ch changing changing the switch to where all I knew was I got to get, I got to get to this guy. Right. And so they're out there, they're throwing plays. I'm, I'm making some plays at a nice little tackle and 
Um, they put me a gunner and I was running down on gunner, never played gunner before in my life. Gunner is the most difficult thing that you've ever done in football. It's on special teams. It's on punt. It's when you're out at the, out at the really the kind of the, not the wing, but kind of the wide receiver type position that you go down and cover the punt. It's two against one. It is the most brutal position um, to play. But if you can do that, you can make a lot of money in the NFL. And, um, and I did pretty good. And so we go through, you go, that was the first game. Second game, we played the Detroit Lions. Um, played decent in that game um, at safety. Um, and after that game, I, I had some pretty good plays. They started rotating me in with the ones and the twos. So I was a three when I started. And then they started rotating me in with the twos and the ones. And so that's, that's when you know it's starting to get serious. They're like, okay, this, this guy has, you know, some skills. He thinks and we think he may be able to contribute to our team. So ended up, uh, ended up rotating with the ones and twos. And then we go into the first or the third game against the Tennessee Titans, right? And I'm pumped up before this game. Uh, you know, that, I'm pumped up before every game, but I'm always pumped up this game. And so I'm running down on kickoff. I'm flying down on kickoff. And it's a touchback, right? And if anybody watches any football, they know a touchback is, you know, the play is dead. And I'm about at the, I'd say the 10-yard, 15-yard line when, or the, maybe the 10 when, it, when it's a touchback. And I knew it was a touchback, but I said, I'm going to freaking hit this guy. And so I run up. And I hit this, the, I remember, I don't remember his name, but it was, there was their fullback, it was number 45, he was about 5'10", 245, right? And I'm about 210, 6'2", right? And I try to hit this guy with everything that I have. And when I hit him, it feels like two Mack trucks take my shoulders and slam them together. And I, I, I run off the field and everything in my chest is just killing me, right? And I'm like, all right, Brett, you gotta, you gotta pull through this thing. Um, you'll be all right. You know, it's, maybe it's a little sting or whatever, what, what, what may have you, what, whatever it was, I didn't know. And so I, I run out on punt return and I try to go grab this guy and I put my hands up and I can't even hold my hands up. Like it was that painful. Like I had no strength. And so I run off the field again and I tell the trainer and they take me into the locker room, take off my shoulder pads. I can barely lift my arms. And they put me on this, this long bed and, put me into the, to, uh, to take, to get an x-ray. And, um, and right after that, they see, they see nothing's broken. And so right after that, they take me to the hospital and I spend the entire night in the hospital and, um, I come out the next day, go back to the facility. And that was a Saturday. And so Sunday, I didn't practice Monday. I didn't practice Tuesday. I practiced only with, um, with shells, meaning that, um, I didn't have shoulder pads on. I didn't hit anybody. And then Wednesday I practiced again, didn't, we didn't have any pads on, so I didn't have to hit anybody. Thursday we fly to Chicago to play Chicago. Right. So I knew that if I didn't play, I was going to get cut. So what I did is there's something called a, a tortoise shot. What a tortoise shot is, is it's a, it's a pain, it's a painkiller. Um, it's a, it's, they, they shoot you with the needle, uh, and you're behind and, um, literally shoots you in the ass and numbs everything. Right. And so I was feeling pretty good before the game. And I, you know, I'm warming up and, and going through my warm up process and I'm like, all right, right. You should be able to play. Right. Spend a, just spend a, a day in the hospital a few days ago. You should be okay. Right. And um, first play of the game. I remember, uh, I think the running back was Chester Taylor at the time gets the ball runs down. I come right up because I started. So the last preseason game is where the start, the, the, the second and the third uh, team start. And so I started at safety. And so that guy runs down and I, 
I try to tackle him, man, and he puts his helmet in my chest. And I feel everything. Like, that, that pain, the Tordal shot did not work. I felt everything. And so that was probably the biggest moment in, in my career, really kind of getting into the NFL, because I had to mentally push through that game because I knew that if I came out, I probably would end up getting cut. And I couldn't show that I was hurt. Because if you show that you're hurt in the NFL, they will cut you. They'll put you on the field. They say, oh, well, he can, he could, he can play. Look, here's the film he played. And then they, they, they release you, right, because they don't want to pay – for somebody that's injured and so they've done that I mean if you talk to a number of guys they've done that and so I make it through the game I played terribly obviously because you know one I was I was injured and I was trying to fight through that the entire game and so literally um that next day was a Friday and so that's when they started cutting guys and so that process the way that process works is you know coaches will start bringing you into the meeting room that I should bring in your playbook and then they'll let you go and um so Friday goes by I didn't get a phone call, right? Saturday goes by. <clears throat> I didn't get a phone call. Sunday goes, or excuse me, uh, Friday goes by, didn't get a phone call. Saturday goes by, I get a phone call uh, in the evening, okay? They say, hey, Brett, come on into the office. And so I'm, I'm a little upset. You know, I'm, I, I, I kind of think I know what's coming. And so I go into the office and um, the coaches, you know, say, Hey, we, 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 we think you've done, you know, some incredible things this preseason and, uh, we want to put you on practice squad. And what practice squad is, is each NFL team can carry eight players. Um, they do not suit up for the games, but they only practice. Uh, they make good money, but they only practice. They don't travel. Um, it's just practice. And so, um, you know, I, I said, you know, I appreciate it and, you know, I'm excited to be a part of this team and, you know, I'm going to continue to give my, my effort. Uh, the caveat with practice squad is if guys get injured on the active roster, then they can bring you up. They can bring you up from practice squad to the active roster. So um, what they have to physically do is wave you, meaning they have to cut you and then they have to re-sign you physically the next day. Right. And so, when, so I, they cut me on Saturday. I'm sitting back in the, uh, I'm sitting in the GM's office on Sunday and uh, literally uh, my agent calls me and it's about four o'clock. My agent calls me and um, I'm sitting in the general manager's office about to sign my, my contract for the practice squad. And my agent calls me, I pick up the phone and I'm like, Hey, Hey, Barty, I call him B. I'm like, Hey, Barty, I'm, I'm at the, uh, I'm about to sign this contract. And he's like, Hey, B, pack your shit. The Patriots just, just signed you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, the Patriots just signed you. And I'm like, uh, okay, hold on. I'm gonna call you back. <laughs> and so, um, I, I walk in the general manager's office and uh, he says, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but the Patriots just picked you up. And I said, yeah, I did. And he says, um, you know, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, you've done some great things here. Um, but we'll have a, a, a van take you to the, uh, to, I was staying at the Radisson or the Marriott for the last two months living out of my suitcase. He's like, we'll take you to the Marriott and um, you know, we'll have a, a car take you to the airport. And so literally I run to the Marriott, throw all my shit in my suitcase run to the airport it's probably like five o'clock and i'm on a plane to uh new england to boston at 7 30. knew knew no, nothing about new england knew nothing about where, where where you know where new england played but i'm flying into boston at, at 7 30 and i landed about nine and uh the patriots picked me up um some guys from the patriots picked me up take me to the hotel uh i check in they drop me off and uh, they say hey well people will be here at 6 30 in the morning so uh i try to get some rest, wake up the next morning and uh, wake up at 5.30. I'm an early riser and uh, was there ready for him at 6.30. They take me to the facility 
And uh, the first person I see when I walk into the facility is Bill Belichick. And he, uh, he says, hey, Brett, uh, great to meet you. I said, hey, coach, it's, it's great to, to meet you as well. He's like, hey, you did some, did some great stuff on special teams at, uh, in Cleveland. I said, I said, I appreciate it, coach. Thank you. He's like, we're looking forward to having you. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're excited. And I said, I'm excited too, coach. And so, um, I, uh, you know, I go into the locker room. And um, so the next three years I spent on the Patriots. Um, was there for, uh, for 2009, 2010, 2011. I got there on a Monday. The following Monday, I'm running down on kickoff on Monday Night Football and throwback jerseys, and uh, was a was a great great time. Um, you know, ended up uh, getting hurt my my first year, tore my my growing my first year uh, in Week 12 against the Saints, running down on kickoff, made a tackle, but uh, was um, was not uh, uh, ended up swiping the guy's leg, and when I rolled, I tore my growing. Second season came back, um, first two a day. Um, playing against uh, – that's when Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski came in and was playing against those guys. And um, one of our wide receivers ran a comeback in one-on-ones, and um, I tried to strip the ball out and tore my pec. So that was that was, that was was done for the season. That was season two. And then season three, um, in preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm running down on punt. Um, I was a gunner. I, I told you a little bit about that. And running down on punt and just ended up tearing my lower ab and my groin. And so after that third year, Patriots um, decided not to, not to resign me, which is, you know, I, I totally got it, you know, but the thing that I love about the Patriots and the thing that I always respect about Bill Belichick is he called me about four weeks ahead of time before they really needed to let me know that they were going to let me go. And uh, he said, Hey, bro, we're not going to resign you this year. Um, but I wanted to give you an advance uh, head start on looking for new teams. And um, that's one thing I always respect about, you know, Bill. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy, a great coach, obviously one of the best coaches that will ever live. But um, above all, he, he cares about people and his players. And so ended up um, trying out for the, uh, the Jets. It was right after I tore my, my growing. Um, so I had to have a surgery, which is called a bilateral growing release. It's where they cut both your growings. And then I had a hernia at the same time. So I had to sleep with this foam a in between my legs for about uh call it four to five weeks so my legs wouldn't close and I wouldn't lose the flexibility in my growing and so I had a workout probably three months after that happened with the Jets and I wasn't in shape uh I just kind of started recovering and so I had a terrible workout there then I go to the the Vikings for a rookie mini camp workout um it's, which is only rookies but my agent said hey you need to you need every chance you can get so I went there uh didn't get re-signed then get a, a, a mini camp workout for the Raiders, go to the Raiders, kill the mini camp, didn't get signed because I hadn't played in three years. And so I'm sitting here in 2012 and no, no teams have called me. And so it's like probably like June, July, right when the training camp starts. And um, my agent says, Hey, there's this league called the UFL, which is the United football league. He says, Hey, I think you should play in it. And I'm like, okay, well tell me more about it. And uh, at the time, you know, the, the, the amount that they were paying for games were like 3,500 bucks which was really nothing compared to what I was making in the NFL. And I was like, you know, Barty, I don't really want to want to do that. And he's like, B, I think this is your only chance of playing football, right? Like today they have the XFL. Um, you know, they had, <clears throat> they had the league last year that folded. Um, at this time, there was no other league except the UFL. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And so literally we go up there in October, or excuse me, in September. Uh, we get there on a Thursday. We have practice on a Friday, and we have a game on a Monday. It was the craziest thing I've ever done you know, playing in a game with four days to prepare. 
Um, but anyways, played four games there. Um, they ended up not being able to pay us. Uh, the league filed for bankruptcy uh, and pretty much came back to L.A. Uh, the good part about it was I got some game film and uh, ended up flying back out to try with the Jets in uh, December, uh, right before their last game of the season. And um, they said, hey, we're going to sign you at the top of the year. So literally January 1st, I get a contract. 2013, I get a contract from the New York Jets. And um, so I, I, I fly out to um, – so I train in L.A. till April. I fly out to um, Parsippany, which is – or Newark, which is in New Jersey, and then to Parsippany where the, where the Jets practice. And so I was out there for um, – call it four months for OTAs and go into training camp and uh, literally go for, go through the first game, uh, then go through the second game in preseason. And right after the second game, I get let go. And uh, that, that, that day was a, was a crazy, crazy day for me because, um, you know, I go through my normal process after games where I get either a massage or acupuncture or whatever it was. And I was getting acu acupuncture that morning. And then I go to lunch and um, then eat lunch. And at, at lunch that day we had, um, you know, I loaded my plate up with what looked like macaroni and cheese. And I was eating the macaroni and cheese and I saw there was something inside the macaroni and cheese. I could taste it as I was eating it. And so I go back to the kind of the counter where there's, you know, writing above what we're, what we're eating, the label, and it says it's lobster macaroni and cheese. I'm allergic to lobster, right? So I knew, all, I knew what was going to happen. It, it, it's never pretty. It comes out of both ends and it just happens for about two hours and then that's it. So I go back to my hotel and, um, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time was coming down to watch a movie and uh, uh, we were going to go to the movies. And I called her and I told her, I said, hey, I just ate lobster. Like, you, you're, she already knows what's, what happens. And so um, literally was throwing up, you know, peeping my guts out. I was in the shower. It was just bad for two hours, right? And I'm, I'm like dead. Like, you, you have no fluids. Like, she brought me Pedialyte. I'm trying to rehydrate, right? And literally after all of that, I get a call from the, the, uh, the Jets. And uh, they say, hey, bro, we need you to bring in your playbook. And so um, after all that, I bring in my playbook, and uh, they end up letting me go. And so um, that's, that was really the, the point of my career where I had to make a, a real decision. I had to figure out whether I wanted to go through this process of waiting and trying to find a team and, um, you know, or decide to just give it up. And so um, I ended up staying in New York, um, ended up getting my real estate license while I was um, training. And on my birthday, uh, I flew out, which was October 7th, I flew out to Green Bay for a workout. And uh, I had that workout and it didn't feel the same. Uh, I didn't, I, my body was beat up. I didn't feel like I, I did, you know, a few years back. And um, I just decided it was time to hang it up. And so um, got my real estate license, got into real estate, started working with Douglas Sullivan, which is the top brokerage in, in, in New York and in Miami. And um, then uh, a, a good friend of mine. And uh, so got my real estate license in, uh, in New York at the time, New York City, started working with Douglas Sullivan. Um, was working with the number four uh, team there um, in the company. And um, at the same time, a good friend of mine uh, named Moshe Malamud um, had bought a few planes a few years before and um, ended up turning it into, you know, a business. And so, um, you know, he, he, he had, we, we sat down and, you know, I was just trying to figure it out. And he was like, yeah, why don't, why don't you join, join me? Why don't you work with me and help me grow this business? And, um, 
you know, I knew nothing about pl- flying privately. I knew nothing about, you know, I, I'd flown privately, you know, once or twice while I was playing, but knew nothing about, you know, the jet space. And so kind of dove into it just willingly, just wanting to learn and, and, and create a business. And, uh, you know, long story short, we ended up turning it into, you know, what is today 20 aircrafts and, you know, 200, 200 plus clients, um, you know, and several partnerships all across the country. And, um, you know, we fly domestically and internationally. So um, it ended up turning out, you know, ended up being a, a great situation that I kind of fell into. Um, and, and kind of from that, back in 2015, uh, I started I started getting access to a lot of deals. And I was also working on deals while I was playing in the NFL. But, you know, a lot of a lot of deals in terms of like raising capital or, um, you know, finding investors for uh, particular private, particularly private, private opportunities, investment opportunities. And so I wanted to capitalize on this and, and really didn't have a, a background in finance or, uh, or business. And so uh, kind of wanted to, to dive into that field. And so um, ended up doing some research and looked at some of the big, big wirehouses like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and met with a few guys and um, ended up deciding to go into the insurance space, which was, um, I, w- I would say not necessarily um, the route that I was looking to go, but I was looking for something that was highly lucrative and the insurance business is, is extremely lucrative. And so ended up working in insurance was at New York Life for three years and, um, and realized very quickly that, um, you know, there's only so much that you can do with insurance. And as I was, you know, sitting with these companies and these, 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 uh, you know, executive teams doing these buy sell agreements or, um, you know, these, these key man policies, I, I started to slowly realize that there were other infrastructural issues and there were things that, uh, kind of lacked in the, in the business space. And so, um, wanting to expand on that and wanting to really, um, uh, evolve and, and build a, a, a wealth management practice, I ended up, uh, uh, transitioning and getting into the wealth management space. So worked for a small boutique firm out here in, in, in Los Angeles, um, and was there for, um, for about a year and, um, you know, did everything from, uh, portfolio management to, um, we had a small venture capital fund, uh, $25 million fund where we invested in, uh, later stage companies, mostly BNC rounds, and then um, also had some proprietary funds. So I had a proprietary uh, real estate fund as well as a debt fund. So uh, we were, we, we kind of positioned ourselves as a as a multifamily uh, kind of operation or family office uh, for the affluent individual uh, in in LA and, and across the country. And so, you know, as I I got into that space, you know, I was raising capital, working on these deals, and and dealing with these investors, but also dealing with the companies and just seeing a ton of deal flow and slowly, but surely, uh, ended up, you know, kind of learning more about myself and about the space that I wanted to play in. And, and you know, the financial advisor space is great, but it wasn't the space that I wanted to, to be in. I was, I had access to a lot of deals. I had access to a pretty big network and I really wanted to create a platform to where I can get more done, um, and, and, and do more business with bigger, you know, bigger clients. And so, uh, left the, the, the wealth management space, probably I'd say July, August of last year, um, and ended up partnering with a good friend and, and, and colleague of mine, um, with a company called Newport Ventures. And so Newport Ventures is essentially that, which is, uh, a company that is designed as a financial boutique and, uh, financial, uh, boutique consulting and financial firm where we go in and we, we work with high, uh, uh, profitable companies that have, um, the potential to be even bigger companies and essentially help them leverage 
uh, their resources and leverage um, their infrastructures to, to bring in more business. And so um, a lot of what we do is raising capital for deals. Uh, a lot of what we do is bringing in strategic connections for deals, but really what we do, the most important thing we do is help people realize their, their value of time and help them get a return on time. And what that really means is time is the most valuable asset. And uh, if we can help you realize time and help you gain back time, then that's going to ultimately help you leverage your business and generate revenue within your business. And so that's a lot of what we do um, at, at Newport Ventures. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, I know it's a long-winded story, but um, I wanted to make sure I gave the, the entire overview. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It's definitely a crazy story to go through, to have gone through all of those things, especially in such like a short period of time in your life, you know, relative to the amount of time the average person lives, like to go through three different teams, to have experienced all of that, to now be on the business side. It's crazy, man. It is. And it, it's, it, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate to be able to, because a lot of people look at it like, it can, you know, it, it can be difficult to do that, which it was difficult don't, by, by all means, like trying to getting done with the thing that you love and, you know, the, the career that you've worked for ever since you were, you know, a kid and then having that career be done, not on your terms, but on their terms, you know, at the age of 27 and then having to figure it out was, was probably the hardest thing that I ever had to go through because you're not just figuring out, you know, what you want to do in life. You're figuring out a new identity, right? Because so many times our identities are tied to what we do. And as an athlete, if you talk to anybody who's ever been an athlete that has played at that level or has played in college or even some guys that play in high school and then they go to college, you know, you deal with that process of having to re uh, kind of reevaluate who you are and, and, and understand that your identity is not necessarily tied to what it is you do, but who you are. And so, you know, I had to go through a, a deep process of relearning who I was and, and, and developing new talents you know, as a, as, a, as a football player, you know, you develop these physical talents, but, um, you know, and, and this mental fortitude to be able to push through things and, and, and push your body through things. But, you know, when you have to push your mind through things and learn new skills and, and, and adapt in a, in a business environment and, and regain communication skills to where you usually just yell at people, you know, plays or communicate across the field, but to now sit in a boardroom and have to articulate business plans and financials and be able to pitch a deal and understand how to get people to, to, to give you money. Those are new skills that I had to develop. And that um, had, took some time. And it's still, I mean, it's still a, a work in progress. I, I, I'm, I, I always am pushing to a higher limit. So I, I, by all means, I'm not done. But just to go through that process is something that's, that's, that's not easy. And, uh, you know, I, I commend anybody who's ever had to, do, to go through that, whether it's football or transitioning from, from a job or a career. I mean, it's never easy. Yeah, man, you're definitely right. And before I forget, where can people uh, look you up if they want to find out more about you or reach out? Yeah, they can just go to my website, brettlockett.com, B-R-E-T-L-O-C-K-E-T-T.com. Sweet. And then before we go, I've got one last question, but first a little bit of background. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made or the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you looking to make? For me, my my realization after kind of going through the, what I've gone through and, you know, I just told you my story is leaving an impact in peak performance in business and in life. Uh, for me, I want to help others reach higher levels of performance, um, but be able to ultimately live a, a, a life that they never thought that they could, they could. 
Um, and there's really some fundamental uh, processes and procedures that help you do that. But more importantly, uh, helping you understand and redefine your value system, uh, helping you understand your, your you know, physiology and how to tap into that, your nervous system. Um, and, you know, take your life to the, to the next limit. That's, that's where my passion kind of lies now and where kind of my hobbies lie. I read a lot of books on neurology, um, you know, neuroscience and, um, peak performance and, uh, how to get the body and the mind to do the things that you want. And really, it's really getting the mind to do things that you want, want to do, because if you get the mind to work, the body will follow. So, um, that's really the impact that I'm looking to leave on the world is, is to advance the, I would say either you could call it flow, you could call it peak performance. Um, you can call it reaching your highest self in whatever you do, but really allowing people and teaching people how to live a life of significance through all aspects of life to where your career is better, your relationships are better, the communication is better, uh, and your health is better. Um, that's really, you know, the, the three things that we can hack is your mind, your body, and your craft, right? There's nothing outside of that we can hack. And when I say hack, I don't mean short shortcut i mean actually create an algorithm and a and a path to do those things at a very high level